I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 427 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an incredible guest to bring you guys today. Mark Ozgeist was one of the members of the Annex security team that was left to fend for themselves in Benghazi back on September 11th of 2012. Oz and his team came under a ferocious attack, which resulted, unfortunately, in the deaths of four Americans. The attack on Benghazi has been covered extensively, including both a book and movie of the same title, 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Before he worked as a contractor in Libya, Oz was a Marine for 12 years and a sheriff in Colorado. Mark is a hero, a warrior. It is a tremendous honor to have on the podcast. Mark Oz Geist will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And my interview with Oz was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between the Benghazi survivor and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, if you guys did see the movie 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, I also did an interview with the First Class Father, an actor who plays Oz in the film. Max Martini was here a while back. I also had the honor of interviewing another member of the Annex security team, John Teague Teagan was here, as well as the actor who played him in the movie, Dominic Fimusa. All of those interviews are available in the archives of the podcast, ready to be listened to at your convenience. Okay, and I really always love it when I have the opportunity to speak with our nation's warriors, and I am flying out tomorrow to Texas to cover the Medal of Honor convention. I will be bringing you guys interviews with all of the Medal of Honor recipients that are there, that are attending, that are fathers. I'll be putting out some live streams on my Instagram channel, so make sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to catch up on all the latest information from that event. I'm really looking forward to that. If you guys are enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving me a rating or review on iTunes. It really goes a long way to help me out. And as always, dads, please help me spread the word about this podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule, and every day is Father's Day. Right here with me, and I'm going to be right back with Mark Ozgeist. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, if we learned anything this last year, it's that building health and immunity is more important than ever, and that all begins with what you put on your plate. Belcampo is on a mission to revolutionize the meat industry for the well-being of people, the planet, and animals by farming meat the right way with certified humane, regenerative, and climate-positive practices, which means it's better for you, the planet, and the animals. That's a trifecta that I'm proud to be a part of, and right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can have Belcampo sustainably raised meats delivered right to your door using my promo code FATHERHOOD at belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood and get 20% off your first order. Go visit belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood, use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout, and save 20% off your first order at Belcampo. Uh, joining me, First Class Father, Mark Ozgeist. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thank you for having me on. Great show to be on. Let's start right here. How many kids do you have? How old are they? Um, I've got uh, three kids. Uh, my oldest um, from my first wife is 24. Or, yeah, tw- I think he just turned 25. That's how bad a dad I am. No. <laughs> yeah, we just uh, celebrated his 25th birthday on uh, October uh 21st and my 
Second is uh, 22, going to be 23 in March. Um, my She's my first daughter with Crystal, my wife. Uh, she was two years old when me and Crystal got together. And then uh, my third is eight years old, and that's Kinley. All right, very cool. And Mark, if you could, please, just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Um, I grew up in eastern Colorado, mainly cowboying, doing a little bit of farming. Um Joined the Marine Corps, spent 12 years in the Marine Corps, then got out and uh, really got out because of the deployment schedule, wanted to try to make my family uh, life work, uh, become a cop. And uh, that's not the best job to go from, from being in the military, because it's all, you know, you're you're at everybody else's will. But was a deputy sheriff, uh, mainly investigating crimes against children and crimes against women uh, for about three years, and then took a job as chief of police near where I grew up. Small town kind of Mayberry stuff uh, gave me a, a little bit different perspective on law enforcement. You actually got to interact with the people and it wasn't all on a negative basis. And then uh, me and city council kind of had a disagreement on uh, how law enforcement should be uh, administered. I was kind of figuring that it was fair across the board. Um, there's always those people that are in uh, in charge. that think they sometimes should have a, a few, uh, their friends or family should have a few uh, um, forgiveness Uh I guess, but uh, that uh, ended starting my business doing bounty hunting and uh, private investigations. And then uh, when the war kicked off, I just knew I had to get back into it because, uh, you know, my whole life's about serving others and serving this country and uh, started pri- contracting as a private security contractor in early 2000 until I got injured in 2012 in Benghazi, Libya. Yeah, incredible. And, and thank you for your service, Mark, of course. Now, uh, along this journey of everything that you've done and all your life of service here, about how old were you? You're not going to be exact, but about how old were you when you first became a dad? And how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Um, let's see. I It was 19, 19, uh, 1996. Um, the, we, uh, me and my first wife had, our, had my first son, Tristan, um, out in North Carolina and, you know, and that's that thing that really kind of pushed me to getting out of the Marine Corps. I mean, I love serving in the Marine Corps and I loved what I did, but I wanted to be around for, uh, be around there for him and, you know, and, and be, and be that dad that, uh, you know, I had a great dad. I mean, uh, my family stayed together. I mean, most of my family lived within 20 miles of each other, grandparents on both sides, cousins, uncles, aunts. I mean, uh, so those other figures, fathers, those uncles are and that life, you know, being involved in family was something that was really significant to me. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, got out, become a cop, um, ended up uh, getting divorced because of that, too, because I'm still gone all the time. And, you know, uh, I figured it would change, but it didn't. It's just uh, unfortunately, that's just the, the, the choices I made. And, um, you know, I look back on it now and I was gone for seven of it. I did 21 deployments. And uh, my my little girl, I call her my do-over. It's, uh, you know, because I wasn't always there for my kids, at least in when they needed me at certain times. I mean, I justified it because I was gone for two or three months, and then I'd come home for a month, and that month I was home, I was able to – I didn't have nothing to do. I mean, uh, so I didn't have to work, so I was able to be with him a lot. But um, that just – you know, it, causes, it still causes uh, problems. And uh, – but from that, you know, it's just always being there for them and continuing to be there for them. And my little girls now kind of call her my do-over. Um, I get a 
correct some of those mistakes I made uh, when I was young. Yeah, well said. And it is one of the things that, you know, that uh, why I'm so grateful for our men that serve in the military or police officers is because, you know, I understand the sacrifice that that makes. And a lot of times it takes a big toll on, on the family life for so many of them, men and women that do this. And, and one of the things I, I talk about on my show a lot here, Mark, is about the fatherless crisis that we have in our country. We got so many kids yep. that are growing up without a father in the home. Now, you as a police officer, especially dealing with crimes against kids and seeing all these different things that you've seen. Um, do you see that playing out a lot uh, or a lot of is a lot of this stuff directly related to kids that are growing up that have no father in their life? Yeah. You know, and not only um, the crimes that we're seeing, I mean, a lot of the guys that are in the military are serving because, you know, the life that they had as a kid. I mean, they're bringing stuff. They're, they're looking for that family, that sense of service, that sense of being a part of something bigger than themselves. Um, you know, and, and there's two ways you can go with it, in my opinion, is. You can do the positive thing and go into the military or go into law enforcement or something like that, that where there's a brotherhood, that family kind of that unity. Um, or as we see a lot of them in the inner cities, uh, you see them go into the gang culture, you know, because that's that family that's there that that tells them that we're, you know, we're going to always be there for you. And the devil does that. He whispers in your on this side and you got to remember that God's on the other shoulder looking out for you. But uh it's those are the choices we got to make. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, we, we, we constantly go back and we see we're in election year. Everything is high political, high tense. I, I just feel like if we, if we don't get a hold on strengthening our family units in this country, I think we're really just running around in circles, you know, so. Oh, I agree. I mean, because I think it starts at the family. I mean, if you have, you know, and that was I was blessed with that, as I said, you know, I mean, I have the majority of my family within 20 miles. And so we I mean, every Christmas, every holiday there was probably 30, 40 people at the dinner table, you know, and every Sunday it was at grandma's or something like that, having, doing chores, helping around the farm up there. Um, and I think that's really where it starts for our country, because when we see the lack of unity and that lack of faith and trust in a family unit and the support that that gives each other's and the, and the security that gives a child, you know, we see that, that I mean, that's why we see no, faith and trust in, I think, in our state or in our country. Um, you know, it's, I look at people and they have more dedication to some football team than they do to our country or our flag or our service members or our law enforcement. And, uh, you know, it, I, it goes back to what you said. It's all about starting in that family unit. Yeah, and I, I think so much of that, Mark, is because, I mean, our, the, obviously now with social media, it's even worse that they got you 24 hours a day, pretty much. They got your attention and they can they can do with you as they wish because they can they suck you in and they keep your attention span. And it's very dangerous what's happening. And what, one thing I wanted to get to, I know uh, the Second Amendment is a big one that's uh, on the line uh, this election season and everything. So um, gun uh, gun sales, ammo has, uh, sales have shot up drastically due to the pandemic due to the election cycle here in your opinion when is a good age to start introducing guns to your kids and teaching them about gun safety well you know to me that you know it's kind of an open-ended question but in the sense of you got to make sure that you're trained yourself the right way and then start enter if you're going to have guns in the house at least in my i mean my little girl um we were at the annual meeting for NRA at one of the silent auctions, she's riding around on my shoulders. And uh, I think she was she probably five years old. And uh, she's like, daddy, there's the gun I want. 
And I mean, it was clear across the room, but it's the one that had pink camouflage on it, little 22 cricket. Uh, but, uh, you know, the way I, I dealt with my children, I mean, my oldest son, he loves to shoot. At about six years old, I got him an air pistol. First thing he had to do before he even got that is he had to be able to recite the four safety rules. And when he could do that without any help, then he was able to get a, uh, a pellet pistol. And then he would carry that with me when we would go hunting. And, you know, he had to abide by the safety rules, muzzle awareness, straight trigger finger, all of those things. And and just graduate them into that until and you'll know as a father when they're ready. I mean, each kid, I think, is a little bit different. But I think you got to start out with uh, with bringing them up in the safety side and understanding what it is and what that what weapons is, you know, the cause of it. What can happen if you don't do something right with that? And uh, I think those are the most important factors. Yeah, good stuff, Mark. And getting back into you as a, uh, when you were serving as a police officer, one of, I think one of the stupidest hashtags I've heard of this year is uh, defund the police. It seems to be <laughs> uh, really working to hurt everybody in a sense. So uh, what is kind of your opinion on this whole defund the police thing and what really needs to happen for the improvement between the police department and the community? All right, dads, today's episode of First Class Fatherhood is being sponsored by Himalaya Botanic Toothpaste. Since I have been conducting more video interviews and making TV appearances, I have been on the search for a toothpaste that's going to help make my teeth look white, feel fresh, and I have found that with Himalaya Botanic Toothpaste. Sometimes using natural toothpaste can feel like a trade-off and leave your mouth feeling unclean, and I've tried so many toothpastes that either taste like baking soda or they don't even work. Himalaya Botanic, my sponsor for today's episode, is a toothpaste that's free from fluoride, SLS, and artificial flavors and colors. But unlike similar toothpaste, they don't compromise on flavor and performance. Himalaya toothpaste is always bursting with foam and flavor. Interested in trying it out for yourself? Get 20% off Himalaya Botanic toothpaste on Amazon with the discount code FATHERHOOD. Check out the show notes for more details on Himalaya Botanic toothpaste and start using a better toothpaste today. What is kind of your opinion on this whole defund the police thing and what really needs to happen for the improvement between the police department and the community? Well, one, I think, you know, here's I don't think most people understand what cops go through. Um, George Strait has a great song out. It's called The Weight of the Badge. And if you listen to that, I mean, because, you know, there's always those that get into something or get. Get sideways into an organization not every cop's perfect. None of us are really, but we all strive and are doing that to serve people. We're not there to hurt people, arrest people for ill, you know, unless it's something they deserve. And cops, I mean, I, Joe Biden, not to get into the politics, but Joe Biden wants to uh, send out a social worker to deal with mentally ill or this or that well the problem with that and and i'm not saying there's not something a partnership there because that was one of the things we did with uh, domestic violence child abuse is i had my partner was a uh, victim's advocate but uh you're going out there together but if you want to send somebody like that out on a call without cops it's ridiculous you're not going to be able to do it you're not going to make any difference i mean you know we saw just uh, a couple weeks ago the guy that got shot, that uh, his mother 
said that he, he was trying to tell the cops not to shoot him. The guy had a knife. He's charging at the cops. They're going to they're gonna protect themselves, and they have every right to. And they ended up killing the guy. And Or, no, I think they – I'm not sure if he died or not. I know he got shot real bad. But what do you expect? How would a social worker, how would an unarmed individual – what you would have had there is a murder, and then you're not helping the guy either. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to a, social media has made it so that we all see these things, and we see small clips of events that have take, that are taking place. We don't know the backgrounds of them, and we jump to conclusions on them. And before you can even find out, Twitter has decided what the outcome of this thing is. And it's really terrible because uh, we, we try to Monday morning quarterback, oh, we, we act as if the guy has all day to make these decisions. And uh, it, it's terrible to see that. I just know that there's so many good law enforcement guys out there, but to see – uh, this this distance between them and the community sucks right now, I'll be honest with you. And uh, just want to pull it back into you as a dad here for a second, Mark. What type of disciplinarian uh, would you say you are as a father? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Um, a little bit. Uh, I mean, it kind of it's I'm probably a mix between uh, what I grew up with and and uh, which is kind of in the middle. I mean, my dad. Um, well, my philosophy first is. No matter how strict the discipline is, is whatever amount of discipline you give, you got to give as much love to the children as well, because that's the balance. I mean, um, and that correction, I guess you could call it, or that discipline needs to come immediate after whatever they do. So they understand that it is about that. And that's any way that you, you know, whether you're grounding them, putting them in the corner. Um, I grew up getting a belt across my butt and, uh, you know, it didn't happen very often, not because I didn't push the limits, but, you know, it was kind of like a three-stage thing. My dad, he would hear me and my brother fighting or doing something, and he'd, he'd be just, all he'd have to do is say, boys, and we're like, yeah, okay, we can push it a little bit further, and then you'd hear his belt come off, and then he'd fold it in half and pop it, and if you got to that point and kept going, then you knew you were going to get uh, get a whooping, and, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't a bad thing. I mean... You know, I think I can't disagree with it. I mean, my, me and my brother do have kind of a different opinion on it, but uh, um, I think I'm kind of in the middle there. I think that your discipline has to, whatever style you do, has to be firm and immediate. And then you have, when, when your kids are doing good, you got to give them as much praise and love uh, as well. Yeah, and obviously the, the big difference there, there between beating a child and spanking a child, and I, I think it goes back to what I was saying before there, without that father, like I was one that grew up, wait till your father gets home uh, type of deal, and <laughs> I think if you don't have that threat, and it's not a serious one in your life, I think that's why you see so many kids out there throwing bricks through windows and stuff like that and having no fear of consequences, you know, I think it yeah, to exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. There's got to be consequences for your actions. Both good and bad. If you're doing something good, you should have consequences. If you're doing something bad, then, uh, you know, a belt popping in the uh, other room, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Or like you said, hey, just wait till your father gets home. I, I heard that a time or two as well. <laughs> yeah. And, and obviously here, Mark, uh, you, you were a member of the security team that, that, that got left to fend for yourselves over in Benghazi there. I've had Tig on the show here as well. Um, obviously your daughter's too young yet, but what about your older kids? Have they read the book, seen the movie? What kind of, um, uh, reaction did they have to, uh, really getting a chance to see a little bit inside the incident? Um, yeah, they both did. Uh, my oldest son, um, my oldest son was, 
living with my ex-wife pretty much the whole time I was contracting and growing up there. And uh, he really didn't know. He knew I was working overseas, but he didn't know who and what I was doing. Um, my oldest daughter, she was kind of witting is what I call it. She was aware of what I was doing. And, uh, you know, it's it was it was harder on her than I think uh, um, the whole not just the incident, my whole deployment schedule and this and that. And uh, but uh, I think they gained some appreciation for, you know, you can hear the stories and they can see what I do on a daily basis. But after seeing what we went through and it's not just appreciation for me, but more so, I think it's just appreciation for those who serve this country. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Mark. And I, I read both the books, saw the movie. I thought the book was phenomenal and, and it really did give me a better appreciation for what was going on with everything there, too. So uh, what is, what's next for you here, Mark? What kind of uh, goals or plans do you have here for yourself for the future? Um, well, I'm a couple got a lot of irons in the fire. I still do a lot of public speaking. Uh getting around the country. I, uh, me and my wife also have a nonprofit. It's called Shadow Warriors Project. We started that pretty much almost immediately after uh, I got out of the hospitals when we, I actually thought of it while I was in, but um, what we do is try to help support those private security contractors um, and their families because as contractors, there's really no family support services as the military has for the families. And, uh, really try to help them out if they are, if their husband or their spouse gets uh, gets killed or injured. And, you know, because you have a workman's comp policy, I my pay stopped the day I left Benghazi. So I went from making a good living to making zero and then had to wait for workman's comp to get in. And then that was about a third um, of what I was making. So it was a big life adjustment. And we almost lost our house and things. So we decided that uh, we didn't want anybody else to go through that. And, and then recently we've added up a dog program into it and opened that up to both contractors and veterans, though most contractors are veterans. But um, we have a dog program where we're giving away trained service animals and uh, to, to veterans and that need them. And just kind of continuing that sense of service is pretty much mostly what I'm doing. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, I'll include a link to the Shadow Warrior in, in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can tap the link and get over there. Well, last thing I want to hit you with here, Mark, I love to ask uh, all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? You know, no matter what you're doing, I mean, what your job is, some of you know, our jobs, whether you're an over-the-road trucker, whether you're in the military deploying, if you're whatever, I mean, the thing is, is the time that you have with your family Spend it with your family. It's hard to come home and then not want to hang out with the guys and that because you haven't seen them in a while. But make sure you're spending that time with the family and and making sure that you're, you know, for me, it's teaching my kids honor, courage, integrity. Um, somebody asked me the other day, you know, well, what's the worst kind of to you? What's the worst thing or worst person there is? And I think it's a liar. And I say that because if it's a, you know, if I got somebody who's a murderer or something like that, you know what he is. I mean, there's no doubt. But a liar will sit there in front of you and tell you whatever you want to hear and then be doing something behind your back. Um, and you can just never trust that person who's a liar. And I think that is your word is your bond. I grew up that way with my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather served in World War II, had five Purple Hearts, Silver Star, Bronze Star. He was my hero and he was that epitome of honor courage integrity justice judgment um doing you know doing what's right by your family and make sure you pass those things on to your kids because uh 
we're living in a society where that doesn't matter anymore. You know, we see it's okay right now with America. I mean, in the elections, you know, do I want Donald Trump to win? Yeah, I think he's better for the country, but I want really what I think or what I want. I want a free and fair election that we can have trust and faith in. And part of the country doesn't care about that. You know, whatever way it falls, I'm going to back it if it's free and fair and it's open. But when you have people that are willing to lie and cheat and steal just to win, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I love I love the advice. I love the message. This has really been an honor for me. I got to say, Mark Osgeis, you're a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thank you so much. And God bless you. And uh, to all the fathers out there. It's difficult, but keep it up and uh, love you all. God bless. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Mark Ozgeist for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys. Or drop me that DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. If you enjoyed today's episode, I highly encourage you to go back and take a listen to my interviews uh, with the dad that played him in the movie. Max Martini plays Oz in the film 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. I also had another member of the Annex security team, John Tig Tegan, was here. And the actor who plays him as well, Dominic Vimusa. All of those interviews that are involved with the Benghazi attack are in the archives of the podcast. Go check them out. I think you really enjoyed them. That's all I got for you guys today. Follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the updates coming soon. Uh, thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. <laughs>